Hello, listeners. Don't forget to check the show notes so that you can see how to support this podcast. There's lots of ways to do it financially or not financially. Join in the community. Have some fun. Ask some questions. Call the adventure line. We need more voicemails. This is the biggest call to action we're doing ahead of the show. We need more voicemails. Doesn't even have to be a question. Just let us know your thoughts, and you could get featured on an episode. Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. I'm Bill Tilly. And I'm Rob Schulte. Bill, it's a big day. Um, first guest on the podcast. Someone had, someone said yes. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's not a word I'm used to hearing. Yeah. Uh, and here's the thing. It's Aaron Blair. He's, if you ever watched the Clueless Gamer clips on Conan, he's the guy who helped Conan play <laughs> any of the weird games that Conan hated. Uh, he was the <laughs> co-host of Good Game, Nice Try. He's a producer of awesome podcasts. You're you, Googling. Yeah. He's a Twitch streamer. Amazing. Blade.tv. Check it out. He does like dinner and video games. He is one of the funniest people I've ever met and nicest. Just yeah, right down the middle. Amazing person. Right down the middle. That doesn't sound good enough. Like He's no. just a really great dude. He's and, great in the middle. He's great to the left and the right. He was, and for, for me personally, for this was our initial startup, uh, one of the very first things we did. So for me to jump into this world and be on a podcast and actually talk a lot, to have a guest like him was amazing. He is a gem, and I am just going to tell you, one way or another, he will be back. Yeah, and I will say this. He agreed to do this podcast when it was still called Pumpkin Spice Podcast, which, as we all know, this fall, the slot of predator films will fall in that feed so that people can discover you know bill and robs exactly but i did have to go to him and say hey um i know i told you we were doing this for pumpkin spice but we've kind of changed the format a bit and he's like i don't care sounds great <laughs> i think anything that's a better podcast i'm all for it yeah so i said thank you for that blay and thank you, listeners. You're not going to want to miss us talking about Predator 2, a film that takes place in the future when it came out, but not the future now. Right. However that works. I'm 30 seconds rolled out of bed. I put on pants. Let's I get, love it. Let's get predatoring, gentlemen. Let's get, shall we, shall we predator it up? I'm very excited because... We've been traveling to the jungles of Valverde the last few episodes, and today we get to travel to a concrete jungle. But before we get there, because this does mirror my life over the last 12 months a little bit, um, I thought maybe we could use some help from someone who's uh, lived in this area longer than I have. 
isn't it the best when one of the cool kids just says they're coming to your party? You yeah. You don't like, have to worry about it. You're not sitting there all nervous going, should I invite that guy? What's the, oh, no. And just say, like, hey, man, I'll be there. I'm like, cool. The, cool. the psychic That's abilities good. are crazy. So I think we should uh, welcome Aaron Blair from the Good Game Nice Try podcast, part of the Team Coco family of podcasts. Blay, what up? Hey, what's up? Let's See? bring back the Budweiser frog thing. Let's and, do it. It's 97, ah, right? Incredible right. too. So, God. oh my God. What a Play. time. What a time to be alive, gentlemen. What a time. <laughs> we, we've all, we all have probably some extremely distinct memories of 1997 that are not accurately represented in this film. But I'm excited <laughs> to get into this Predator 2 uh, action. Now, Bill... Blay works in podcasting like I do. He also works in video games, uh, which uh, I think we could bridge the gap between you, Bill, and Blay is that you work in sci-fi in podcasting, but on the social side of the greatest generation family of products. So the Venn diagram of all of us, we've got some sci-fi horror podcast stuff happening here. It looks Absolutely. like a yarn, a yarn wall. It's like a you know, oh. like a serial killer yarn wall with all of our connections. Yeah, it doesn't feel right that you're not reading this from a couple of Manila folders with <laughs> lovingly crafted headshots of Blay and I just laying them out, going, "This is the team." <laughs> so, Blay, do you have a relationship or quick thoughts on video games and movies and the games that are turned into movies, or vice versa? I think that generally uh, video games have been a gigantic disappointment uh, when it comes to existing IP. We're only getting out of that now with like Spider-Man, the Batman games. It's we're just starting. Video games are just starting to really blossom in terms of being able to tell a story and being able to live up to the the promise of the existing IP of of movies. Uh, but, you know, the heart was there. The yeah. heart was always there. Maybe maybe the technology, not so much. But now we're seeing some really exciting stuff. Also, I love, and maybe a podcast for a different time, but I love that we're starting to see the flip. I love that we're yes. starting to see like The Last of Us become, which is a video game, become an HBO Max show. We're starting to see like Uncharted yes. as a video game become a big budget movie with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. So it's really funny now. Now things are kind of flipping around. So I think it's an exciting time right now. But growing up, you yeah. know, look, man, Predator 2, the, the Genesis game, look, we all wanted them to be good. <laughs> E.T. notoriously is the worst video game of all time based on one of the best movies of all time. And I think that kind of says it all. It's a uh, it's one of those situations where you beg your parents to let you rent Predator Two, yeah. but right. then you can't let them see you not playing mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. because oh, you can't I think, hide the tears. Can't see, can't let them see the tears. Never yeah, let them I, see it cry. I think you phrased that perfectly because I remember these. It's actually why I did, I stopped playing games years ago because you'd pick it up and think I can get this Indiana Jones for the Atari game looks awesome, man. It's going to be great. It's just not. It's just not. It can't. It's like making a sequel or a prequel living up to the expectations because that world's already crafted it's a hard road to hoe it's yes, just oh, not man. good it's like trying to make a sequel without a camera i mean it's <laughs> like the technology wasn't there yeah You're like i'm gonna make a sequel oh, ironically though it's like i think a lot of the video games that ripped off famous movies actually did but like i think about pitfall was a great yeah. game 
clearly ripping off Indiana Jones, but they kind of did their own thing. So kind of the wish.com version yes. <laughs> always kind of did better than the regular version. So for whatever. Holy shit. Uh, this is, yeah, that's going to be the deep dive for the mini series we do in 2024. There you go. Um, let's get into today's mission briefing. So any of our listeners who have not seen Predator 2 or don't have the guts, honestly, to see it, um, at least know what the hell we're talking about. Bill, I found a fun one today. Blay, I think you're going to like it too. Silent. Invisible. Invincible. He's coming to town with a few days to kill. Earth, 1997. The Predators returned, but not to the rainforests of Valverde, instead to the jungle of Los Angeles, a city torn apart by the violent clashes between crazed drug lords and a beleaguered police force. Drawn to this arena of combat of chaos, the Predator unleashes its terrifying arsenal on all who will stand in its way, craving victory in the heat of battle and honor in the destruction of his ultimate adversary, which I'm guessing is humans. Right. Not like Ford trucks. Or yeah. yeah. Although, <laughs> I'd watch that. Or hanging pieces of meat. I think those, they're out there too. They they got it coming. Right. Now, uh, Bill, can you give me some context to the uh, cast and directors here? And, and Blay, please feel free to chime in. But like, we've got Danny Glover, we've got Gary Busey, we've got Robert Daffy. We got some strong personalities in this movie. We really do. And uh, out of that whole cast, you've got Maria Conchita Alonso in there. You've got Ruben Blades. It just got a slew of people. Two standouts for me, a very young Adam Baldwin pops into frame out of nowhere. Whoa. That just blew me right out of the chair when I'm like, oh, forgotten about that. That's, yeah. That's a real, there's Jane from Firefly come to visit. That's going to be interesting. And then my other one, because I'm a little bit down the line from you, Rob, uh, Danny Glover's boss is Kent McCord. Of you classic TV fans will know of Kent McCord uh, of Adam 12 fame. Oh, wow. And uh, a character actor of some renown, also one of the stars of Galactica 1980. Okay. Okay. So that kind of just was like, oh, I see. We're going to transplant the. He plays the classic screaming boss role perfectly, yeah. but Kent McCord is such a nice guy. He looks like that nice guy who doesn't want to yell at you, but he's <laughs> your boss and he knows he has to because it's kind of be stern. Contract. So his stern face is almost, it's that 70s stern face of like, what? What do you mean we're out of cigarettes in the break room? Do you think that this is actually like an extension of the Adam 12 universe? Kind of like how there's that theory that the Jetsons and the Flintstones are taking place at the same time. I, I really hope so. I right. really do. I hope so because I know in that Adam 12 universe that counts with emergency and chips. So once you start oh, building man. that cinematic universe, I am all in. Dude, chips all in. versus predator versus chips. That's uh -huh. what we need, man. Yeah. That's and the movie we need. We're trying to keep this season in like the Val Verde verse okay. because you know it exists in Predator, it exists in Die Hard, it exists in all these movies. So now to find out that it's chips, Adam 12. Bill, we got a long season ahead of us, I think. <laughs> it, it started out in the Bionic Woman. That means the $6 million man. So you get Bionic Bigfoot versus the Predator. See? Oh, There's no end God. to this. I love this. Okay. Um, directed by Stephen Hopkins, who, Blake, you're, you're a horror fan, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. Ooh. So. Love that one. 
I think that's the one with the pizza meatball uh, Freddy faces. I think so, yeah. It's Super Freddy! Told ya! And if you're going to do a not nearly close to the first one sequel, why not pull the director of Dream Child? Let's go. Let's go. Let's just get you. Why half-ass it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we got the basic, uh, the basic information, the machine briefing down. Bill, let's get into some military intelligence. Which is, of course, just any fun little factoids that came to us while we watched the movie. Bill, would you like to start this one out? Uh, yeah, I have a couple on there. First off, and it relates to where you guys live in it now. I think the urban jungle setting for Predator 2, once when we saw it back then, it really kind of took us by surprise a little bit just because most sequels try to stay close to whatever. You could have seen this. Uh, we're going to another jungle or we're going to the Amazon. Or we're going to the desert. But nope, they took it straight to the heart of L.A., which is what we in all the know. Future. In, in the, the future. future, which is always yeah. far too close. They always pick years that are far too close. <laughs> the seven years is not enough to be out of this thing. <laughs> and they drop them out there. And I'm like, this was a great choice because it's not the L.A. of real life. It's that comic book L.A. that we were sold nonstop, cranked up to 11, and then a little Verhoeven thrown in because apparently they took all of the Detroit OCP police and just stuck them into that police station. These guys are straight out of there. And it's just... It's crazy because this is a high time. They're telling you, and I remember being a kid watching this thing, thinking this is exactly how gangs work. They have themes. They dress like this. When they go places, the music plays. They, for some reason, have many, many piles of cocaine that they have immediate access to just laying around. And so I think it was great. It just took everything, turned it on its side to the point where the predator, as we're discussing this with my fiance last night, and she's like, you know, I don't think he's really the star of this movie. I think everybody else is I'm like, you might have a point here. I, this really, it, it gave them, I think, a leg up because they didn't have to stick to the jungle formula. So that really, really kicked it in for me. And then the other two things uh, researching this movie is one, uh, we all know Arnold's not in this movie and it's been said for various reasons. It's off for T2, but apparently one of the other reasons is always money. And the amount of money to us must now seem comical because apparently the difference in, in pay for an Arnold and no Arnold back in 1990 was $250,000. Oh my God. Can you oh, imagine I have a, saying I have a birthday no. party? Jeez. No yeah. kidding. His, he can probably get a cameo for that now and have him just say, you know, that, that's got your old request. That's happy birthday, Blay. <laughs> I know you're like, glad to do. Good job. <laughs> a response to your, yeah, to your Reddit comment. For yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I can't imagine the exec who's just like, nah, 250K, that's just, that's far too much. I'm either they- going to get my medical degree or have Schwarzenegger star in my short film. You know, it's an interesting thing. It's like, I think, well, first of all, first time we're seeing the flying disc, which is great. This is also, they're setting, they're really setting up. I, I, Predator 2 is such an interesting movie for me because I think, for people now, like Endgame and all the crossover stuff, like, yeah, okay, great. Like, oh, it's cool. Like, you know, Arrow and Flash on the CW, of course, we kind of expect things now to cross over. But, man, seeing, like, the, the Xenomorph yes. skull was mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. I remember seeing that and just being like, what? Yeah. Oh, my God, what? Wait a second. Aliens are in this, like... It and you almost have to mind. legit pause it. It is yeah. like so yep. quick and in the corner. And and, and I, I think like that's one of the very, very you know, eventually we have Freddy versus Jason. We have all these other things. But 
But man, like that was like such a mind-blowing thing. And I think something that people don't really realize when seeing it for the first time, how how great that was. Uh, and it's so funny, like, Bill, to hear you say that I don't think I'm just kind of I'm just kind of realizing that, like, what a gift it was that Arnold wasn't in this movie, because I think if Arnold had been in this movie, whether it was in a city or not, I don't think it would have opened up the wider Predator universe. I mean, because truly, like, you know, Arnold is the star of Predator, and it's such a a typical, uh, although great, such a typical monster movie of 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 a in an action movie, a hero you know, a, a crazy monster, they beat the monster. I mean, Jaws is another example, right? Yeah. Like these guys, you have these guys who are kind of, we're learning all about these characters and then they fight this monster and this kind of force, right? Well, and then in Predator 2, all of a sudden kind of now, well, we don't care about that character. The force is now going out again and, and affecting something else. And it's like, wow, like what an interesting thing to open up an actual and start an actual mythos and an actual universe there. And I don't think that would have happened if Arnold would have been in it. It would have been him like, here we go again, you know, and like that, that shit, you know, that stuff. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was a real gift. And I think that really kind of that, the fact that Arnold isn't in it coupled with the Xenomorph skull really, I think set the template or the stage for, what is really happening now in movies a lot in horror and otherwise of just creating these large universes as sandboxes of which for people to play in. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, well, it was an interesting take. Yeah, totally. And I think that um, like, if you want to talk about like schoolyard shit before the internet, right? Like I would always be like, well, what if Wolverine right. was in, you know, uh, uh, X, Batman. Yeah. You know, Batman. Yeah. 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 And that came to be in some sort of weird comic, I think, at some point. But anyway, uh, the idea of showing, I don't know what came first in the chicken or egg scenario. Like, is the like, well, is, can the predator fight the alien before they showed that? Or did that prompt a lot of that talk, which then made the comic book that then made the Ash versus whatever's of the world? I don't know. I love it. Um, the one thing I will say about, Anything outside of what you guys already said, because totally on the same page there, is that I think it is also apparent that this movie was intended to be for New York City. It's just... <laughs> right. And then I was looking into it, and they were like, <laughs> yeah, when the lightning comes up and he's holding the skull, we wanted it to be on the Chrysler building. And right. I was like, yes, that would have kicked ass. Um, I've often wondered if in the movies and TV, like when they're in those settings, how the people that live in those places... Or to respond like are they an audience for these shows because they can clearly be way off the mark or way outrageous or not maybe not in the best light or whatever because if we become that image and i'm sure people come out and they're like you know your friends come to visit and they're like you know hey man show me where all the aliens land you're like nah that's not how that works but they always <laughs> blow up new york and la for, i know but they, right. it's because they're yeah. really out here to get sag cards and the new york ones are trying to sell stocks that's how that works so <laughs> it's just kind of it's kind of neat to watch that kind of stuff because i remember that's how you would see this. the only time you'd see these cities. It's this is the identity of that city. It's New York, grim and gritty LA sunny, but crazy. And it's like, all right, if you're watching this, when you're watching this movie back in the day, like that's not how any of that works. <laughs> Did you get any of that feeling Blay, when you saw this back in the day? It's just so funny to me now living in LA. It's like downtown is like 10 blocks. <laughs> it's like, it's not like New York. Yeah. It's like all building. You know, when I, I lived in New York for a decade, and of course, that's, you know, Gotham City. But it's like, man, yeah, it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I remember thinking, even when I saw this movie originally, was just like, okay, the Predator, like, is going for 
like the most elite fighters. Why is it? Why is the predator not fighting like the army or yeah, like exactly. Navy SEALs? It's going for like these coked up, like drug, like drug weird lords? cops and yeah, drug lords. Cops? Yeah, what is happening? Like even I, as a young, as a young uh, wee babe, uh, I just uh, I was in college, um, <laughs> was like this doesn't this doesn't really match yeah. here. <laughs> you know what? There's something about this movie. That doesn't exactly uh, hit the mark. I, I will say though, the flying disc man is cool, and that yeah, like, I, I love the, and that's one thing I think that Predator movies kind of have always tried to emulate. It's like a new, cool technological thing, but they always kind of fail. I don't know why yeah. since then, but. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to finding out more. But Bill, as I'm flipping through the dossier here, we've got more things to cover. Bill, where where are we at in this dossier? We on settle the score? It's time to settle the score, Rob. The music is always a big part of the movie. I love soundtracks. I love the sound of a movie. I love the, you know how it is once you get the theme in your head and you you have it and you hear it. We can all do it. And, you know, to this day, when I work on stuff around the house, I'm humming the theme to the A-team in my head, just concentrating on my hands and frame, taking a water heater and trying not to turn it into a flamethrower. So uh, for this movie, uh, it was a little different because the Predator 2 music, a lot of it is is recycled from the first Predator. Some of those in there, that first Predator, as we talked, Rob, I felt had it real split between almost two heroic soundtracks, no, no victim sounds, and the fact that the Predator had his own sounds that the people in the movie could hear yes. instead of the Jason, which only the audience can hear. They could hear him coming. But in this movie for the time that it's set, it is just everything. So over the top. And the odd part is having the predator in the city, everything in the city overwhelms everything he's doing. Yep. So the music's there. It's it. What's part of the same as Sylvester's course. Fine. The other stuff, of course, as a good friend of mine who's in screen right now, Rob Schulte, said, why did gangs have themes back in the day? <laughs> like the Predator, when he makes a little bit of noise, you're just like, ah, it's okay. It's fine. It's, so It's like the sure. Warriors, man. You got the baseball yeah. furies. You got yeah, the... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> As if one person going, I think I heard about this once. So honestly, in this one instance, I think the soundtrack doesn't really do the movie any favors because especially with this Predator noises, because it doesn't make the Predator creepy. He's just another cacophony in a in a entire sea of noise. So that's a little dis disappointing on that end. But it's not bad. It's just not the same effect mainly because of the setting switch for me it's felt like the sweeping grand music was like drowning out the predator drums which is like that's what i want to hear <laughs> mm -hmm. this thing i don't know but i i think you you hit it on the head how about you bill or blay blail blail yeah with bill and i combined yeah exactly. yeah this is a fly uh, situation none of us want Late '90s, man. It's a it's a dark time for music. Uh, you know, "Color Me Bad," Paul Abdul. I, I think uh, the backdrop there. I was just looking up to see if anybody's done an "I Love L.A." mashup with Predator Two. <laughs> oh. I love LA. You know, um, that would be fantastic, right? We're gonna party till we just can't party no more. Sunday, everybody very 
another fun-filled day. But like, you know, I look, my favorite horror horror music uh, is John Carpenter. So it's kind of like even John Carpenter was like the master of horror music was like, I don't know, man, it's the late 90s. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, a bummer. But agreed, like the original Predator music is fantastic. But I, I, I completely agree. I think they just didn't know what to do. It's and like I, L.A., but it should be New York, but it's a jungle monster. And, then there's and it's kind of in the future. Kind of in the future. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's crazy. But Bill, you always hit it right on the head with the score, man. And so just to move to the next one, because it's one of my favorite segments of the entire show, it's called Time to Bleed. The moment that might be the most either gratuitously violent or the spot that made us clutch our pearls uh, or something that we thought was maybe just really fucking cool to see on screen. And I'm going to start not exactly a death. The freeze gun technology was too funny for me not to keep as my like time to bleed. I mean, there are some pretty epic kills in this movie, but that freeze gun was so dumb that it is the funniest thing in the, in this to me. I loved it. How about you Blake? I mean, I look, I, the disc with the, with the, in the, with the, with the body in the warehouse. I mean, I think yeah. like, for me, like I just wanted one of those as a kid. Yeah. Like it was one of those things where, like this, there's very few movies. I think, like, and embarrassingly, I think Mortal Kombat is another <laughs> one where you just like wanna, like, I just remember like watch this movie and just being like, how could I get one of these things? And I want to just <laughs> like, you know, um, yeah. I mean, again, like I, I think the weirdly, the first Predator for me didn't. This I actually like the kills a lot better. Because it actually feels like, well, it may be because it's the city and all this other stuff, or more technology-based. But the first one, you think about it, it's kind of just like a lot of woodsy stuff. You know, they're like setting trap. I mean, the coolest thing for me in the first one is when the dude cuts his chest. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and there's no real cool moment like that, I don't think, in Predator 2 that really stands up to that. And it feels just like a mess. But, so yeah, I think that probably... Yeah, I mean, when Danny Glover gets his hands on the disc, it's pretty great. Well, I do agree with Blay. The disc, especially the fact that they added the pulsing LED lights to the disc. Yeah. Nice touch. Of course, 90s. Everybody's got to go a little <laughs> yeah. techno, even the Predator, which yeah. I think Kevin Peter Hall actually said in one of his interviews that he plays this Predator a little off the rails. I'm like, how do you go off the rails Yeah, as a Predator? You put some of the Coke. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you get some of that stuff. So all that kind of stuff is great. But for me, the, the part I had to rewind, which Rob will know, I tend to pick a little things that are a little off to the side. So in this, when uh, Kent McCord is dressing down with Robert Davi, Danny, uh, Danny Glover in the office, and they're telling him the, the really cool 90s CRT monitors, the computer screens are playing like this real green and blue. They look like the intro screen to a video game, techno stuff they've got written on there. And the computer's talking and it's reading Harrigan's dossier. He's without the folder. This They've slipped this in where they open the folder to read the thing. So it's going through the th all the stuff that he's won and done, but all the stuff he's done wrong. And they're just kind of sitting there listening to it. At one point, the computer makes a point to say... <laughs> that he is responsible for the destruction of 11 police cars. It's like, you did this, you shot this many bullets, you had this many altercations, you had this yeah. many, you know, <laughs> citations against you, you had this many complaints, and you destroyed 11 police cars. And I'm like, what the hell was that? So I haven't when, even destroyed one. Yeah. So when, uh, when 
Pusey's boys ram his last police car with their truck and then drag him into the secret shed, which he apparently just drove right up to and stopped because <laughs> they get him out. That was my rewind time to plead moment. That last police car triggered me to go all the way back and go like, wait a minute. Is that number 12? Yeah. So, so Harrigan is a serial cop car killer, much in the vein. <laughs> he's he's killed almost as many cop cars as Stephen J. Cannell in one sitting. So yeah. Jeez. <laughs> that's awesome. That's All right, Bill, mind. where are we up next? Where are that's we up next? Great. Since I jumped, it's your choice to uh, pick the next one. All right. Well, then we're going to slingshot around the sun and we're going to circle back and find out who is going to have them some fun. Do you like this podcast? Do you like other podcasts that are similar to it? Do you like shows that poke fun at media while having a fun conversation while doing it? Well, check out the collective that Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure are a part of. It's called the Bridgeburner Podcast Collective, and you can find more podcasts like this one at bridgeburner.page. Check it out. We've got a whole bunch there for you that I know you're going to love. New podcasts are joining soon as well. So, not only is there already an established group of podcasts and audiobooks you have more to look forward to who got you who got you in this movie a little more than anybody else short and sweet predator he's like a batman I, he's having the most fun in this one he's got gadgets he's it's all part of what we've already said predator for me blay how about you you see man come on I here's my I cannot I feel like Busey and I are circling each other like wolves <laughs> when I first came first of all anytime he's in any movie I I love this man to death he's absolutely a complete psychopath when I was this is a true story I first moved to LA like my third day in LA there was this a show called Point Break Live that used oh, to no. be here right and Point Break Live for those of you who don't know which is probably everybody was uh, a stage show based on the movie Point Break. You know, Keanu Reeves, Gary Busey plays the police chief in that one. And um, and they have, they pick someone from the audience to play Keanu Reeves. And so they have, they, the rest of the actors are acting out the movie, but then the audience member is looking at cards and reading the cards of uh, Keanu Reeves' lines. And, you know, the joke is doing as good as Keanu Reeves sure. in acting. What am I thinking? If you couldn't crack it with all your years of experience, it's impossible to conceive that I might have something to offer, right? I go to see this, and it's like, you know, and they're using squirt guns instead of real guns, and everyone, you know, it's like Gallagher, and you put a poncho on. A third day in L.A., Gary Busey is in the audience. No. And it was, guys, I can't explain to you how insane it was. First of all, it started off like the cast was clearly excited. He's sitting, like, second row, and it's a tiny theater, and and he's like yeah, and he's like being like very vocal, like oh, yeah, yeah. And then he start. They're like excited. Ten minutes in, dude, Busey is like screaming at the stage. Ah, shoot that guy! Ah, you know, like what the? Is oh my god! Like it's medieval times or something. It was crazy, dude. And then so like during the intermission, at you know in Point Break, there's meatball sandwiches. There's a big sure. thing about meatball subs. You could buy meatball subs. He buys a bunch and starts like throwing them in the second <laughs> half. It was lunacy. He jumps on stage and chases them. It was the craziest thing. 
I, I mean, Gary Busey is, holds a special place in my heart, much like cholesterol. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I got to go Busey. Busey and anything, man. Busey yeah. Anything. Yeah. But, you know, that's it's just such a treat. And again, like you think of like, Bu this is peak Busey, baby. In this the, is late 90s. This is peak abuse. This is this is almost uh, uh, black sheep level abuse. <laughs> oh my god! Good pull. I'm not that far from dragging out of the car and beating into dust. Well, it was going to be hard to not pick Bill Paxton, which I didn't, because Bill's great. I love him in all his movies. Who can't love Big Brother Chet? Just going crazy, and for some reason, True. him playing Dangerfield as a cop just really <laughs> nailed me in this movie. But I have to go with. Uh, Henry Kenji, who plays El Scorpio, the leader of the Colombian gang, at the initial shootout of the scene. That entire scene is over the top insane, but Henry <laughs> has decided he's going to the Mario Batai School of Screaming, and he just unloads everything he's got. And for those of you who don't know, Henry Kenji, renowned stuntman and actor, goes back a long way, Former, formerly married to Lindsay Wagner during the Bionic Woman days. Oh, I didn't know that. Also... Yeah. A, a a a big time stuntman on the Dukes of Hazard, one of my favorite shows. Growing up, I've met Henry Kenji. Whoa! Oh, wow! Dude. So so to watch him in this was amazing, and it to know that he's a very soft spoken, gentle guy, a lot of fun. But he tells a story about them wanting to oh. on the Dukes. He wanted to race, uh, put Roscoe's cop car in a tree. They wanted it to land in a tree for the comedy, and he's like, "You can't do that." And they're like, "But that's what we want." He's like, "But you can't do that." And they're like, "That's what we want." And he's like, "All right." So he jumped the car, crashes it into the tree, sticks it into the limbs, breaks both ribs, shatters a bunch of stuff, drops out as they dropped out of the tree and went, nailed it, and walked <laughs> off the set, broken bones and all. So the fact that he's out there just laying it out, he's screaming, he's, he takes the big bowl of Coke and just oh, snorts yeah. it. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Out. But the Roscoe ultimate, Pico train! Yeah. Exactly. But and the fact that he also gets to go on the roof, and in his big death scene, still managed to land on the craft services table because I have to believe that's what that is. He hits a, out of nowhere in this For parking sure. lot. There's a picnic table with like cheese and some hundred percent. Why he just he sails through the whole thing. So he is by far for me having the most fun. Whoa, dude! I didn't know stuntman in Dukes a Hazard. That's like yeah, God, yeah. If you, he said, if you ever see a lot of things that look super dangerous, and he thinks like that looks like it hurt, that the hell was him, <laughs> and it did. It did a lot. It hurt a lot. Wow, that's great. Okay, guys, only a few segments left, and uh, a little surprise at the end that I think we're all going to have some fun with. But, Bill, our next segment is playback time. You may not be able to convince someone to watch Predator 2, but if you show them this scene, they probably will watch Predator 2. Mine, I think it's just that I, I hate to spoil it for someone who hasn't seen the movie, but if they're not going to watch Predator 2, I have to show them that last battle to win the reveal of the other predators show up because that was just a sure not the best but maybe that's what's going to get them to watch predator 2 also and i loved it how, how about you bill i i could see that point because it's like the godzilla movie factor i don't want to see the humans i want to see more predators and that showed it but for me uh i'm going with the Death of a bathroom. He's done his battle wounds. He's crashed into the old lady's bathroom, uh, played by Sylvia Cowders. I hope I said that right. Renowned character actress. And when he bursts through the door and travels through, she's standing there holding her broom. And when Danny Glover crawls through the hole, 
that I'm a cop. She looks at me and goes, I don't think he gives a shit. And I'm like, that is perfect. <laughs> this is the kind of movie you're in for. So who's who's the scarier one? Uh, probably the person the predator ran from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He, he didn't even stop and take a swipe yeah. at her. He was on the way out. And uh, one honorable mention to uh, Kent McCord, because uh, when they go to the subway scene and they're doing the mop up after the big attack, Kent's on screen with Danny and somebody from out of frame holds a corded phone and goes, it's for you. It's the chief. And I'm like, how the hell did they know that he was on that train? Where did that phone come from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess you got to have one of those moments where the chief calls and that's just where you happened. Why was he on that train in the first place? So I don't know. It was a moment. <laughs> How about you, Blake? I think I got to go. I, I mean, I, I would take yours and extend it. I think the, you know, Harrigan in the, in the, when he gets in the ship is really cool. Yeah. Like, I guess if I had to show it to somebody, I wouldn't want to show the other predators, but like, I just love that. Like you see the skulls. I mean like that again, for me, that's where we're starting the mythos of, you know, the predator as something more than just a monster that here's like an, an actual society. You know, this is like a cool thing. It's talked about or mused about in the first one, but here we're mm -hmm. actually seeing now, wait a second, this thing goes to different planets, travels around. There's a thing there. I wanted to know more. I think yes. seeing that in the first one, I was like, okay, that thing's cool. And it's kind of like, it didn't quite get the Boba Fett hook of like, who is this creature? Who is that guy? But in the second one, it did for me when Harrigan gets into the ship. So, and also like, honestly, and well, yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, the, the last fight is cool, but yeah, I don't think maybe, I guess, I guess that would be the entrance in the ship, I think. Cause that for me is where things started to open up. And I was like, yeah, well, I can't wait for them to ruin this magic by making <laughs> terrible movies after this. But, uh, and, and again, I think we haven't, I, I, I really feel like this movie is setting up what all the rest of the movies are trying to chase after. Like mm. that scene to me, I haven't seen another scene that gave me as much like mystery and curiosity as that in any of the other predator movies. Yeah. Like, you know, they're I, trying to do under, under, under the ice at a pyramid. It's like, they're setting up and it's like, no, no man, here's just a cool thing. Look at this. It's, it's crazier than you think, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a perfect, spot to merge into like our debriefing our final thoughts on the film because we'll do this and then bill's going to give us a rating system um cool. i want to take that and extend it to that ending with the xenomorph skull and being on the ship i would compare it to the ending of raiders of the lost ark in the sense that like it makes you think so much more like what are they hiding or on the other side like, i think the first thought is what's hidden what is not being told to the audience yeah but the other side of this is actually what you're saying which is like how totally far reaching is the predator universe and as we all know living in 2022 that like it obviously goes to the xenomorph <laughs> alien universe and all yeah. of these other places but I think in this one as a sequel, there were some filmmaking flaws that I think were just like, okay, could you shave 20 minutes off of it? Yeah. But also, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you when you start digging into like, oh, this went through how many rewrites and more than one director? And then all these, it's like, okay. What they came out with at the end is phenomenal. 
in comparison to what it took to make it because we didn't even talk about like actually filming in downtown LA in 1990 oh, yeah. like no one's moving for your film crew like unhoused people do not give a shit that you millionaires are trying to make another million or two right so like that aside, but also like all of just the hurdles to make the film. They made a pretty fun fucking movie. <laughs> How about you, Bill? Totally agree. I find it, it's a movie that was made in a future that's warlike in a present that was more warlike than the future they were trying to make. So well put. It, I think it's it's a good movie. I mean, it's it's in that thing of, you know, the future showing you the how things are gonna it's the violent future things are breaking down where apparently breakdown really just means a lot of lines which we have those now <laughs> lines to get in everywhere for some reason but that's yeah. fine it's and, disney world right that's, yeah it kind of reminds me of that ds9 two-parter or whatever that was oh that. and with the gabriel bell riot yeah right, anyway sorry it looks exactly it. like that yeah uh so it's it's got that thing of the the future and it actually unfortunately hit a little too close to home in a lot of ways there's some craziness out there that we're looking at today it's funny that we look back on that now and go oh how quaint we thought they were only going to have guns right that was just amazing <laughs> so it it's it's i think it is a good movie for that reason the humor's not subtle in this movie like it is in predator one but it's not supposed to be it, it kind of makes it campy and i don't think that's bad for this movie because it sets out to be over the top and there's some stuff in there that works in its favor and it kind of unhinges it from time a little bit every now and then like some of the things are very 90 but for some reason at one point there are 465 mustangs on the street in a row when they walk out of the building the downtown and i'm like why and why are they all why do they all look like clark kent from the old tv show they're all suddenly dressed that way so it's it's kind of weird but it it works it and for me i've come all the way around in this movie because i watched it when it was first out probably not too long after i probably saw it on cable and i didn't particularly care for it because it wasn't predator when you're younger and you're a kid you're like oh you know bang bang arnold jungle and this like cop thing is like ah, eh, this isn't like cop shows i look like to look like but now that i'm a middle-aged man i have extremely warmed to this movie because i'm watching it and i finally figured it out it's like i'm watching danny clover and i'm realizing danny not arnold not a bodybuilder not that kind of thing but he's reacting in a way I think I would react because he ha he has his he doesn't want to be there. He's doing this stuff. But like when everybody he the chief walks off and he's mad at him, he has that that jumping cursing fit where he jumps up and down. He's so mad. He's like, motherfucker. And you're just like, what was that? That kid Schwarzenegger wouldn't do that. And he finds time on the rooftop. He's scared of heights, but he finds time as he's chasing a space alien to complain about the birds flying around, causing him trouble. It's like he's relatable. He's relatable. It's like this is your dad fighting the predator and now i'm old enough to be that dad he's mad dad fighting the predator so it, it really works for me I, it, I i really like what they've done with it they managed to place it but also let it carry through into down the line so it's a movie you can come back to and be like all right it's this thing's got enough heart and soul that it's definitely worth a watch so bill out of five what shall we rate this well it would have been easy to just say five xenomorph skulls. How many how many prize xenomorph skulls would you give up to hold on to this movie a few more days? But I don't like to do things the easy way, Ross. As well, I've decided for your late fee, we're going to rate this movie on a scale of one to five high waisted pants. <laughs> that is the outfit of the time. Everybody in this movie's got their high waisted pants on. Every man, every woman fighting crime, fighting aliens. 
How, what, how many of these would you reach into your closet and surrender to hold on to Predator 2 for one more day for a rewatch? What if the Predator wasn't just an elite, like, you know, warrior, but he's like the intergalactic fashion police? Oh, my God. Coming, coming, coming to Earth, just be like, yo, y'all, those pants are, nope, you're dead. Nope. You're dead. Pow, pow. Nope. I killed Schwarzenegger because he wore that red polo <laughs> in a jungle. Yes. And I'm killing all of you for exactly the wool pants, tight weight. Yes. Okay. Those clicks mean coming for your pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, would you like me to go first or would you? Uh, I would like you to go first, Rob. Okay. Well, and then, uh, Blake, you'll go last so that uh, you can judge yours based off of ours and nothing else. Um, I think I'm going to have to give Predator 2, and this is also me forgetting what I gave Predator 1, but each rating system, as we have learned from previous movie rating system podcasts, are not equal to other movies. So Predator 2 is going to get a solid three and a half sets. So this is three full sets of high-waisted pants, hats, jackets, suits, and then one just the pants hiked up. Oh, So three and a half. Oh, well, that's a little better. You, not just yeah. the pants. You could have given the hat. I could have given the hat. The they, got the pants. they got the pants. Very nice. How about you, sir? Uh, I'm going to give Predator 2 a solid, solid four sets of pants, four hats. Wow. And one pair of pants that is completely sweat through from Danny Glover climbing through the L.A. sopping wet L.A. of 1997, in quote marks, that has yeah. not been to the dry cleaner that you could take later on 25 years down the road and put on eBay and sell them as screen use replicas. I think this movie for me has aged better. I would not have given it that rating back in the day. I would have given it lower, but now I see myself in some of this movie and I'm not really fond of birds either. So yeah, I'm with Danny on this one or not. Love it. Love it. Blay. Where are you at? I'll go four and a half too. I I'm going four and a half because for me, like, Man, you know, I think that, look, I think the mark of any good piece of entertainment or any good piece of art, which I'm calling this art, yes, of course, uh, is do you talk about it? Do you think about it when it's over? Mm. Whether it's good or bad, are you still, you're leaving the theater, you've turned it off, turned off the TV, whatever it is, are you still thinking? And I have thought about this movie many times over the years. I think... Uh, for all reasons, uh, kind of talked about a little bit before, but just I, I think that the bones of this movie are so great. I don't <laughs> think they capitalized on them, but like we're seeing a lot of remakes these days. The Alien and Predator franchises are floundering, and I think they would do a great it would do them well to go back and look at the bones of this movie. Bill, exactly what you're saying with Danny Glover being a middle aged guy. Also, what a good turn that it's not an elite jungle fighting muscle bound soldier. It's like a middle-aged guy fighting this horrific intergalactic perfect warrior. How could you ever win? How could you ever beat this thing? So people say that superhero movies are like us coping with that. We've destroyed our planet. Ooh. Like what is middle-aged man? <laughs> fighting alien that he cannot erectile defeat. dysfunction it's a yeah, okay dysfunction. there we go okay sorry but i mean like I, I think that every horror movie and not saying anything you guys don't know every horror movie the best horror movies are metaphor right 
Um, and, um, you know, I just, I saw this movie called relic about this woman kind of going crazy. It's a metaphor for dimension yeah. and, you know, and, and, and these kinds of things you look at, you look at get out, you look at all these other things. And, and I think that they had the chance, I don't think they did it, but they had the chance really to have that kind of existential crisis about aging impotence, also emotional impotence and, and just like what it means to be a man what masculinity means when faced with this overarching, you know, cause the first movie is so masculine. It's so, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that the bones of this movie are great. You're opening up this whole predator world, you know, uh, and, and they just kind of didn't capitalize on it. But I, I think that really it, it established a lot of the magic that inadvertently, I think the franchise is trying to re recapture and they would do it. They would do well to go back. You know, I don't want to get into the later Predator movies, but the most recent one for me, the Predator, just it was so slick and mm -hmm. it was so and you're like, yeah, and these guys and I'm chewing gum and here uh, and I'm witty. And it's like, yeah, man. OK, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's like a, a yeah. Red Dawn new versus Red Dawn old. Well, kind of. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. the flaws are where the magic is. It's what, you know, you know, the cracks are where the sun gets in. And I think like in this movie, the flaws and the imperfect nature of it truly is what makes it for me a cult classic. And I think, you know, obviously I'm not alone because it's kind of grown in lore since it, it came out. Yeah. And was that then four and a half? Four and a half. Pants? I'm going four and a half high pants and a couple. I'm not a hack guy. Yeah. My head's too big. So, but not because I don't like it or believe in the rating, but I'm just more of a high waisted pants guy. So, four and a half high waisted pants. You know who else is not a hat guy? Uh, Bill Paxton or Danny Glover when they wear those hats. That's like right. Detectives. No, they definitely look like cops trying to infiltrate a, a suntan smuggling operation. Like yeah. They're, yeah. Okay. So, this has been great. Before we end today, I have a little game. I've got a handful of trivia questions, and let's see if either of you can Ooh. figure out if I'm describing a situation involving the predator or a situation involving the masturbating bear <laughs> in a game I like to call To Match a Predator. Well, I heard you match before. So I hope you don't get bored. One is angry, one is carefree. Our guest is staring at me blankly. I write these lyrics down that I hope are alright. So match the piece you like. And please try not to fight. You may find that I have tricked you with the clues that make no sense. You can't win at a game that is made up on the spot. This game can't help the editors. And you know there's competitors to match a predator. So, That's great. You know, I played the Master Betty Bear on Conan's tour. Well, there one of my questions is now oh, run up against the, the marker. Sure. No! no! <laughs> no, I've got three things, and you guys right. can just say your name to buzz in. So, okay. This character is vulnerable to electricity, often subdued by it, and then taken away in shackles by human scientists. Oh, Blay. Yes, Blay. The, the masturbating bear. Correct. Masturbating Correct. Bear. Correct. It happened to me many times, and a couple times while playing the masturbating bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's see here. 
I'd love to see the insurance claim on those. <laughs> That's got to be great. Uh, next question. After many different stories and reboots, it was revealed that the original character died in 2015 of asphyxiation. Uh, Bill. Bill. I'm going to go with the Predator. I'm sorry, that is also oh, uh, the masturbating bear. What? Autoerotic asphyxiation. Oh, um, damn. Oh, I okay. We'll, wow. have to, we'll have Deep to cut. write to Conan about that one. Deep cut, yeah. And so now uh, we, we got one more. Bill, if you tune in, you can you can tie it up and we'll we'll call it easy. But Blay, you will you will definitely take the win here if oh, you get no. this Pressure's one. Pressure's on, dude. Pressure's okay. on. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. In one of many of the stories over screen, comic, whatever it might be, many of the stories, this character is depicted as being out of show business, I'm throwing up quotes, and settling down with a wife and two children in the New York suburbs. Blay. The yes, masturbating I. bear? Correct. Uh, every uh, answer what? was the masturbating bear today. So, but he just had... masturbates. Why is he getting married? <laughs> I, I have no idea. No one can please him, buddy. The dick beaters attached to his wrists. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm I'm so glad you were able to join us today, Blay. Could you please tell us about your Twitch stream and your podcast, Good Game, Nice Try? Yes, Good Game, Nice Try, a video game podcast I do under the Team Coco banner with my good friend Sonia Reed, a.k.a. OMG, it's Firefox. I need a cool nickname, man. Uh, and we do, we we interview all sorts of people like Kevin Smith or Steven Spawn, the head of uh, Able, the Able Gamers um, uh, community. And uh, yeah, it's really fun. Nerd culture. Love uh, the show. And, and all that other stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time. And I, I stream every night on Twitch at uh, blade.tv. And last night I did dinner in a video game. Every week I do a cooking show. And I did uh, seafruit tart. So I played Sifu and made a fruit tart. And it was a bloodbath on both accounts. So I uh, was fun. But yeah, a come delicious, on by. Yeah, delicious a delicious, bloodbath. A delicious bloodbath. So uh, come on by every night at 7 p.m. I bow, to, I bow to your skill, Blay, because if I tried to do that, it would be it would just be me watching Sequest and making tuna fish sandwiches. That's as close <laughs> as I could get. I would do that. that. I love it, man. I love hey, it. Go for it. That should be the next uh, theme, I think, Blay. There you go. Great. Although I have given myself food poisoning four times, all with seafood. On so, camera. So. On camera, yeah. Yeah, it was gnarly. And I hope that was like, behind, behind was the paywall, right? By the paywall, yeah. That's for my OnlyFans. <laughs> ah. That's sweet food poisoning <laughs> content. Thank you, guys. This is a yeah. real treat. Uh, I, I absolutely love horror movies. I, I love, uh, you know, I it was in high school, I'd seen literally every horror movie at Blockbuster. That's all I did and played D&D. So, uh, yeah, this is a real treat. And uh, viva la Busey, I say. <laughs>
The Phantom Third. Yeah. Uh, which everyone, if you haven't rewatched the prequel trilogy of Star Wars, give it another shot. It's a little bit better than you thought it was. It's way more serial, which is what all those movies were supposed to be anyway. I'm, I'm getting off subject, Bill. It's time for uh, Going Dutch, where we read a listener question. And today's question comes from Terrence from Tennessee. Wow. I love the alliteration. I wonder if they've made up their name or the city they're from or state rather. Uh, <laughs> that would be stretching it. Yes. Just for the alliteration. Yes. Otisburg. <laughs> Terrence uh, says, hey, guys, loving the pod, thinking about joining the Discord, but I've never used Discord before. First of all, do it. Do it. Do it. It doesn't hurt. It's it, painless. And it's so much better than certain social media websites where if you use it, you're also subject to weird posts outside of groups. Anyway. Yeah. Specialize. Yes. But let me get back to your question, Terrence. Guys, I'd love to see a series where you guys talk about future movies movies set in the future Ooh. okay okay what is your favorite movie set in the near future or far i'm just gonna put that that's my own editorializing on here bill wow i think just movies set in the future um and the funny thing is when i picked bill up from the airport the other day we did talk or bill explain your idea i think it was fun because although we've got plans for future seasons i yeah. kind of liked this one and it comes in line with this question so i'm not a frequent flyer of any kind either the real one or in parentheses but when i do i always play a little game where i try to watch a movie on my phone that's going to get the attention of the passenger next to me or the flight attendants i don't know why because i'm bored easily last time around i watched airplane disaster movies on my way to vegas so that caught but this time i'm going to la so i watched escape from la which is set in the future of 2013. And that was fun because I'm seeing stuff. It's like, I don't get to see it blown up, but it'll be out there. And I thought, let's be nice to watch a series of movies where the future's already gone past for us. So to go back and see, what did you guess? What were you wondering was going to happen? What didn't happen? Did any of it come true? And just kind of go through that kind of stuff. So this question falls right in, a, in line with everything else we were just talking about. So that worked yeah, great. I love it. I think I'll go first here, Bill, and and I'm going to go with the first thing that comes to mind because I used to watch this movie a bunch as a kid, and it even came up in an episode we just recorded with our friend Mackenzie. That's, that's weeks away. Yeah. Um, I will have to go with Demolition Man. Oh. Because, uh, and I'm doing some quick Googling here, when is Demolition Man set? Because... I remember specifically watching it in 1995-ish mm -hmm. and then going, it would have been when it was on HBO, so probably closer to 1994 because the movie came out in 93. Anyway, whatever. I'm getting bogged down in too many details here. It says, Los Angeles, 1996. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> it's set in the future? Uh-huh. But, like, not the far future uh -uh. either. That, this could be real. And then... It uh, could. Some of it did. Then living through 1996 and going, wow, we still don't have that freeze a criminal technology. And, nope. you know, thank God, really. But then they, 
he wakes up in 2032 and I had it in my head that he wakes up in like 2022 and I was like, oh, that would be great. Yeah. That would be great because it's such a weird future that has not come true. Uh, different timeline, but 2032, who knows? Maybe we'll get there. All we need is for everybody to keep us going for another 10 years. Yes, please. And we'll be right there. We, pr I t we make this promise right now, everyone. If you could support us and make this happen for the next 10 years, we guarantee Demolition Man will be the first film we record in 2032. Absolutely. And it'll probably be the second time that we watch it because I really got to get to that movie now. I'm getting excited about <laughs> Demolition Man it's, once more. Why wouldn't you? Well, Wesley Snipes just steals the show. And it's hard to steal the show from Sly Stallone. It is. It is. From a Stallone vehicle, if you will. I, I don't know. I think while we're out and about in town, maybe we can find some nice robes and we can just walk around and wear those and tell people to be well. I think that is a great idea. And then hopefully, we are in L.A. Maybe we, Who's the comedian in there who just like, who just does his rant? Oh, Dennis Miller. Dennis, no, no, no. Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Dennis Leary just like does five minutes of his stand-up routine in the movie. He does. It's got to be contractual. Maybe we can go to his house and wear those outfits and see if he'll do it at us. Yeah, and feed him a rat burger. Probably. Yeah. And what about you, Bill? What's one of your future films? And I guess you did watch Escape from L.A. I did. Uh, one I'd not really one I'd want to be in. Yeah, it's kind of a bad one. Boy, that I got to tell you, that question kind of knocked me a little bit for a loop. But I think at the moment, I'm going to pick another movie that I actually did watch on the plane. Oh, yeah? It's called Condor. Oh, and it is a TV movie that was supposed to be a pilot from the 80s starring Ray Wise and Wendy Kilborn in the far, far future of 1999, I believe. The a famous year. Yeah. The thing about that movie is it's uh, made in the 80s, per, trying to show the 90s, but they kept all the 80s fashion for some reason. So nothing changed. But the cars were donated by Chrysler. So everybody's driving Dodge Daytona turbos and Grand Caravan. So that's a future I could live in for sure. A Dodge-based future? Give me that all day long. Oh, man. Uh, I love that. Bill, now there's one thing we haven't really done over the past episodes, but I'd like to implement here at the end of today, and that would be an update on my viewing of Baywatch Nights. Oh, yes. I have finished season one, and I am currently watching season two, where they have a huge pivot change, right? Yeah. It goes from uh, from like, crime thriller tv show you know like baywatch but at night mm -hmm. and not on the bay um <laughs> that's perfect and then it goes into like x-files -y. it's supernatural and they're still trying to solve crimes but they lose a few characters it, it becomes not as good I'll, I'll just put that out there it becomes good in a different way how about that there you go but the thing that i kept wondering and texting you about while watching baywatch nights was why does why does Mitch have like a really expensive car but also never sleep and then it's like okay maybe he's got two jobs and it can afford the car and the really nice Adidas leather jacket and the nice suits and stuff but then I I got to an episode in season 2 and Mitch gets kidnapped by a government agency of course he does a secret I think it's a Knights Templar actually jeez oh, and so maybe not a government i don't know it's very confusing uh and they're like what do they want him for is he rich and one of the guys teague is like no he's not rich he's a lifeguard oh. and i was like wait a second 
What about this car? What car is that anyway? Because that's a nice car. Uh, if it's the same one from the first season, yeah. it's an Acura NSX. Well, they do actually eliminate showing him in any cars in season two. I will say that. Well, I mean, you know. Maybe to sell it. <laughs> Mitch rides at night, I guess, is how you could say it. I, he's got a way to do that that works. I'm just throwing that out there. But yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing that uh, Mitch never sleeps. Yes. Yeah two to three jobs and they're vastly different i'm holding fast to he found uh, a treasure chest at the bottom of the ocean oh my god and it's you, just stockpiling doubloons your fan fiction <laughs> is the best it's what makes me keep coming back for this well thank goodness something does because That's i true. am loving this podcast and i gotta say i hope all of our audience members are loving the podcast and if you are loving it enough to help us keep going the biggest thing you can do is send this podcast to a friend. Uh, don't even say anything else. Don't say you got it. Well, okay. Sell it, please. <laughs> like, tell them why they should listen to it, why it's good. This episode, last episode, whichever is your favorite episode of the ones we've done so far, join our Discord to talk with other folks who have, for some reason, wanted to talk about our episodes. And I don't mean that in a self-deprecating way. I mean it in a... I can't believe how many people are joining. I'm so thrilled that people like talking to us, not just about the episodes that we're putting out, but like old media that we plan on potentially talking about on this podcast. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's why we started this podcast, just talking about stuff. And so we started recording it. So it's a great the discord is awesome. The people there are awesome and very nice and focused. None of the external BS that you'll get from other social media platforms. Mm -hmm. So if you just want to come over and have a good time, that's the place to do it. Yeah. And uh, if you would like to help us out financially, we have a Gumroad site, which is not a subscription model. It's a one-time payment. I liked this episode. Here's a dollar. Or if you want to see Bill and I talk on video, select episodes that we have recorded with video, which is most of them, mm -hmm. uh, will be available there. Much appreciated. And honestly, uh, that's the kind of stuff that will let us do more and branch out and do other things and keep going. So we do appreciate any financial support that you are able to give. Do not let it ever be a burden. Yeah. We only want it to be something that you won't miss. Absolutely. It away. Absolutely. And uh, you can also get your question answered on this podcast, much like Terrence did. Yes. And uh, you can do that by asking the question in the Discord, emailing us at billandrobs at gmail.com, leaving us a voicemail, which is the message button that you can click on our anchor site or in the show notes. All of these links are available in the show notes, by the way. Or call the adventure line. And that would be 213-545-6176. Now, Bill, where does that phone call go to? That line actually runs to a crash spaceship just outside of town in a very industrialized part that for some reason nobody sees and it's an actual rotary phone that rings that rob has to fight a horde of predators to get to but he will do that every time that phone rings and answer it personally i absolutely will uh bill i think the last thing that we need to do today is uh <laughs> the second last thing is just remind people one more time that they can find all of those links and the phone numbers and the support and the discord and all of that in the show notes head on down there i know a lot of people don't read descriptions of the shows but if you do you uh can see everything that you need to join in the social movement that is 
Bill and Rob's an excellent adventure. Yes, unlike a cloaked predator, we are not hard to find. No. Type it into your interweb device and you'll get to us one way or the other. Absolutely. And now the final thing is thank yous. And the biggest thank you for this episode goes out to Aaron Blair. And uh, if you would like to see more of what Blay does, go to Blay.tv. That's B-L-E-Y dot TV. It'll have his Twitch stream and anything else that he is associated with. I promise you, you're not going to be let down. He's great. He is great. Um, and then I would like to thank Jothan for our show art and Patrick for editing these podcasts, help with editing these podcasts. You know, he takes a little bit. I take a little bit. And a big thanks to Mrs. Colombo for QAing all of our episodes and letting us know we are doing our best. Um, Bill, we got two other people to thank here. We do. We have to thank Draxium and Dr. Z for our rockin' theme music. I always wanted theme music, much like the movie said, every good hero needs it, and ours is killer. So thank you very much, guys. It's much appreciated. Absolutely. And if you'd like to hear more from them, their Bandcamp links, guess what? Also in the show notes. Check them out. All right, Bill. It's been a great episode. We've, we're just on the cusp of the Predator franchise. We've got so much more to go. Xenomorphs are coming into the picture here soon. It's going to get wild. Never fails. You're having a good time, and some Xenomorphs got to come in and just wreck the party. Yep. Uh, and then that little baby mouth is stealing all of the hors d'oeuvres before you can get the little quesadillas. Ooh, there's, there's a t-shirt we need to have for our eventual merch store. I like it. All right. Well, everyone, we'll see you next time on Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. Adventure.